0: We'll turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 34. Uh, if you've been with us for any amount of time uh, through Genesis, especially in the last few weeks, uh, you know that we did Genesis chapter 31, and then we did Genesis chapter 33, and then we went back to Genesis chapter 32, and now we're in Genesis chapter 34. It's just how we do things around here. So just, just run along with us and, uh, and follow along with me. Sometimes it's hard to figure that out. Hey, uh Have you uh, in your home? I don't know if it's in your home, but in mine. But are there any things that happen in your home that just almost get done? You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? I mean, like you give some instructions, and you go, "Here's the things that I need to happen," and somebody in your home almost gets it done. You know, it's like it's amazing to me how we have a garbage can in our house that is uh, like right in our kitchen. And it's right beside our refrigerator and like the pantry. It's like in a really, uh, a location that is really uh, convenient and uh, accessible and uh, things like that. And it is amazing to me how things just almost make it to the garbage can. You know, they're they're almost there. Is is this just my house or is it yours too? You with me? Just mine? Yeah, okay. Just mine. Uh, Well, that's kind of, uh, when you think about those kind of things like that, this is the way it is in our text today. There's some things that almost get done, almost happen, almost get all the way completed, and then we see really the consequences of those kinds of things. And so uh, really that that happens in, in the end of chapter 33, and we'll get to that part of the text, or we'll kind of review that part of the text. Uh, as we get into chapter 34. So let's jump in, and I'm going to read through this text. I hope you've got a device, a Bible or something. We'll read through it together, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 34. Now, Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob went out to see the women of the land. Okay, so uh, what you had at the end of chapter thirty-three was Jacob had met Esau, and they had gone, and they were supposed to go toward a specific place, but they settled just short of there, and so uh, so they've settled in. They're in a new place. And they are, uh, they're settling in in their place. And this is what happens after they get settled in. Dinah, daughter of Leah, whom she had born Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And when Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. Kind way of saying we'll describe that a little bit more graphic detail as we get further into the text and his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. Okay? You see what happened there? He seized her, violently, sexually assaulted her, and then was drawn to her and then spoke nicely to her. See what happened? So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this girl for my wife. Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field, so Jacob held his peace until they came. Good for him, whatever. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. The sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it, and the men were what? Indignant and very angry, as well they should be, because he had done such an outrageous thing to Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing must not be done. Hamor spoke with him saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us. Take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and get prosperity in it. Shechem also said to to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes now. And whatever you say to me, I will give. As for me, uh, ask me for as great uh, a bride price and gift as you will, and I will give you whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem and his father Hamor deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. See, that's an important piece of this. So they, they lied to him, okay? They said, I know we're not supposed to do that, right? We're not supposed to lie to one another, but that's that, just the scriptures, okay? They're like, we're going to give you an answer, but it's not going to be the answer that's actually truthful, okay? That's what he's telling them. Verse 14, they said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Remember, circumcision that was instituted by God, this was a sign of the covenant. And so they said, hey, you know, uh, we, can't give you to, we can't give her to you because you're an uncircumcised people. And so then the text will go in and tell us what happened. Only on this condition will we agree to you <clears throat> that you will become as we are by every male among you to be circumcised. So uh, that was a sign of the covenant between God and Israel and, the, and his people. And he said, so we're not going to be able to give you our daughter, our sister, unless all of you dudes get circumcised. That's where we are. Then we will give you, verse 16, our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters to ourselves, and we will dwell with you, and we will become one people. We'll just have a nice, you know, one happy family. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we'll take our daughter and we'll be gone. Their words pleased Hamor, and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young man did not delay to do the thing, because he delighted in his daughter. Now, he was the most honored of his father's house. He's like, let's get to this. Get to cutting. (laughs) <laughs> so Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of their city and spoke to the men of the city saying, these men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in it for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters and wives and let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men agree to dwell with us because our people, because, uh, to become one people when every male among us is circumcised and they are, and they are circumcised. Will not their livestock, their property, and all their beasts be ours? Only let us agree with them, and let let them dwell with us. And all who went out to the gate of his city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. Now, on this day, when they were sore, understatement, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city, while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with a sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took the flocks and their herds and their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field, all their wealth, all their little ones and their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You've brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land. The Canaanites and the Perizzites, my numbers are few, and if they gather against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should he treat our sister like a prostitute? And the chapter ends. I love the fact that the Bible doesn't pull punches I mean, there's no faking it through these stories. Uh, I mean, the life of Jacob from, from chapter 25 to chapter 35 is just filled with instances where you just have to kind of tilt your head and kind of squint your eyes and say, wow. I mean, wow, I, I did, that's incredible. I can't believe I'm reading this in my Bible. See the pinnacle of Jacob's life at this point had been when he wrestled with God. Remember that he he kind of wrestled with him all night and uh, and, uh, and and remember they they wrestled all night and 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 uh, uh, God had to judy chop him right in the in the knee and he was like hey on, you got to let me go and he was like will not let you go let me go we will not let you go let me go all, remember all that yeah. remember all that I'm not going to do that again but but he had to do that and because that was. Uh, uh that's, after, uh that's after a dream that he had had about uh, the, the ladder, about uh, uh, Jacob uh, was led to this story to believe that uh, he was on his way to, to Bethel and, and he was on his way to Bethel, but he just stopped short. He was on his way to Bethel the place where Jacob, and Bethel was the place where he had the dream of the ladder. Remember the ladder? I'm not even going to get on the ladder. Remember the dream about the ladder, about going up and down the ladder and up and down the ladder? And he was like, what is this all about? And I don't remember what all this stuff is about, but we learned from that story, remember what that story was about? You remember? Remember there were angels going up and down? Remember that was Jacob's dream in the ladder? Remember what the story was about? What was it? I'll tell you what it was about. Uh, it was about God always doing transactions on our behalf. Remember that? That's the story of the ladder, that, that there were angels going up and down. And, and the story behind that was it wasn't that people were trying to climb up to get to God, because I know some of you think that's what you've got to do to get his, his favor. But the reality is that God is always at work on our behalf. God is using his angels to be at work on our behalf. And so, so these were kind of the pinnacles of, of his life at this particular point where where you had the dream about the ladder and, uh, and, and God being at work on our behalf. And and so Jacob was on his way back to that place, that place where he had had that dream and that place where he had encountered God. And, and so that's where God was telling him to go back to. But he stopped short in Succoth, as what, te- what the text told us before. And then he pulled a, a, Frank, a Frank Costanza and stopped short in Bethel, for you Seinfeld fans. But that was about 20 miles short of where he was supposed to go. 20 miles short, God told him to go this far and he almost went that far, but he stopped short. Man, Jacob is so much like us today or we are so much like Jacob today is probably the better way to say that. Almost obedience. Almost obedience, partial obedience obedience. Alternative intentional obedience. You know what I'm talking about? When you're given a task or a directive or something that you're supposed to do, you don't have to answer this out loud, okay? If this is zero, sorry, this side of the room, and this is 100, okay? There you go, good job, good job, far right. How many of you go in 100% on all the things that you're supposed to do? How many of you end up over here? How many of you, you don't have to answer. Just just think to yourself. I'm always at 100. How many of you end up about 90%? That's pretty good, right? How many of you end up about 80%? That's close. I can almost touch it. How about 60%? Below 60%, we're not even gonna talk about that, okay? Uh, what is partial obedience? Disobedience. Let say that again. What is partial obedience? It's disobedience. Your partial obedience is, is disobedience. And that's where we find Jacob, not only in today's text, or not only re- ramping up to today's text, but really throughout most of his life, he was mostly disobedient to God. How about you? Are you obedient to the instructions of the Lord in your life? I mean, just, let's just take a sidebar for yourself right now and think about, are you obedient to the things that God called you to do in your life? We'll get back to that question a little bit later, but I just want you to think about that in your life right now. Unfortunately, in Jacob's case, his partial obedience, not going all the way to Bethel and stopping short in Shechem led to today's textual description of of what happened. Rape, degeneration, treachery, genocide. And even in light of all that, though, as we read through Genesis, God will use the weight of all this and and Jacob's deep and dreadful sin to return him to the calling that God had put on his life. Let's get into the text. Uh, There was only uh, one girl among Jacob's children. It was Dinah, and she was the daughter of old weak-eyed Leah remember weak-eyed Leah yeah and so she was the daughter of weak-eyed Leah and and, and so Leah's children were not very highly regarded by Jacob and and Poor Dinah didn't seem to re- have any interest from Jacob at all. Look, look what verse one tells us. Here's what it says. It says, and when, uh, and now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had born to Jacob, went out to see the women of the land. And, and so girls that were uh, of marrying AIDS were not permitted at that time to be out, out uh, in public, especially late at night without a chaperone. They just weren't permitted to go out by themselves. Um, Uh, uh, alone. In fact, the Hebrew term went out, uh, likens her to uh, some actions of going behind their back. So she was almost sneaking out of the house at night. Anything like that ever happened in your house? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. But kind of sneaking out and and doing something sneaky behind the parents' back. Who has Life360 on their phone? Parents, come on. Yeah some of y'all ain't even telling the truth because you don't want your kids to know that you got Live 360 on them. Uh, but Live 360, you can kind of tell where your kids, for those of you who don't know what that is, you don't have kids that are this age, it's like where you basically track one another. And, and so you can see where they are at all times. You can see how fast they're driving. You can get all these reports on your kids if they're breaking too hard, all, all, that, all that kind of stuff. You can kind of track them and, and see what's happening. Uh, and, and, and you can see if you know, your kids tell you they're going someplace and then they go somewhere else. I mean, I know it didn't happen in my house. I'm just saying it. it I know you can use it for that. Uh, but, you know, they, you can tell you, if tell you where they say they're going to be, but they're somewhere else. They tell you, hey, I'm only five minutes from home, and you look on Live 360, you know they're 20 minutes away, and they're not going to make it in time. You, all those kind of things like that, uh, uh, it is, we kind of have those safeguards, or we think we have those safeguards in place, but we're just really seeing what's happening. Well, oh, uh, Dinah basically had snuck out at night. And unfortunately, the worst happened to her. Dinah became the victim of a violent rape. Look look at verse two. This is what it says. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he seized her and lay with her and humiliated her. And so there there are three kind of action words or three verbs in this, and it's seized, lay, and humiliated. And and so you can kind of see the progression of what had happened there, uh, think of, think about him grabbing her. He seized her, right? That's what the text says. So this, this guy sees her out and grabs her, seized her. And, and, uh, and then think brutality from there. He rapes her. And then the text says at the end, seized her and lay with her, and then humiliated her. And so uh, humiliated her. Even after the act of the sexual violence, what a terrible situation to find herself into. Let me let me just sidebar here. Uh, I, I was I was kind of reviewing this. I, I felt it necessary, and I'm going to trust that this is from the Spirit. Hey, if any of you are in a girls, listen to me specifically. If any of you are in a relationship where your uh, boyfriend, spouse, or whatever is violently treating you, ask for some help, okay? This, this garbage like this is just trash. And if you've got a, a boyfriend or a husband or anything like that that's treating you that way, you let us know, we'll get you some help. You, you don't have to do this alone. No matter what he's told you, if you're watching online, no matter what he's told you, uh, uh, we'll get you some help and some protection and get you out of that situation, We'll help you. You don't. You don't have to face that brutality. I mean, that that is sinful. That is from the devil, and it's brutality. And you don't have to live there. Okay, we'll help you. All right, let me keep going. Um, and, and following this, so so after this happens, so think about that. How terrible that is. After this happens, Shechem becomes enamored with her with Dinah. He's like, I've done this brutal thing to her, but suddenly he becomes enamored with her and wants to marry her. Look what it says in verse three. And his soul was drawn to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. He's manipulating the whole situation. Spoke tenderly to her, verse four. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor saying, get me this girl for my wife. And then the family responds. And, And this is what it says in verse five. And Jacob heard that he had defiled his daughter Dinah, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob held his peace until they came. And Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. And the sons of Jacob had come in from the field as soon as they heard of it. And the men were indignant and very angry because he had done an outrageous thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter. For such a thing must not be done. All right, who's my dads in the crowd? Raise your hand. Where are you, dads? Let me see. Let me see you. All right. I just want to get an eyeball on you. Okay. Um, now. How many of you dads have daughters? Raise your hand, okay? Dads, how do you defend, do you defend your daughters? You better, you better at this place, I'm telling you. You better defend your daughters. Uh, how far would you go in defending your daughters if your daughter had just been brutally raped by somebody uh, like Dinah was? Yeah. What'd you say? Yeah, you'd be, yeah, yeah. Some of you are like angry right now. Aren't you just thinking about it? Like I'm getting angry talking about it, okay? I was angry while I was writing this at the time. Like I was writing. I'm like, I know these people are gonna be angry because I'm mad just thinking about it, you know? And so it just wells up in us, right, dads? I mean, it wells up in us to think about somebody treating our daughter in such a way uh, that we never want that to happen, right? Yeah. Tracking with me? Yeah, there, there, this is some righteous anger, uh, that's kind of welling up in you around that. But Jacob decides he's not going to do anything at the moment. He said, I, I, I'm just going to wait. You know, I, I, There's nothing I can do right now. I'm just going to wait around. He's kind of twiddling his thumbs, which is a pathetic a response to that. And then his sons came in from the field, and you could see the fire in their eyes from the text. I mean, they were angry. They they were angry over what had happened, as well they should have been, and so they were angry about this story that had been told, because because Israel, the whole people, and, and, and not just their dad, but all of their people had been defiled by these people where they were living. That's what had happened. And then on the heels of that, they've got to deal with this thing about uh, they're wanting to arrange a marriage. Look what the text says in verse eight. But Hamor spoke with him saying, the soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him to be his wife. Make marriages with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. You shall dwell with us and the land shall be open to you. Dwell and trade in it and, and get property in it. And then Shechem decides to chime in at that point, wouldn't you want to go, hey, how about you just shut up, you know? I don't want to hear anything from you. But, but no, he just goes on and talks, and it says, Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, let me find favor in your eyes, and whatever you say to me, I will give, and ask me for a great bride price and gift as you will, and I will give you whatever you say to me. Only give me the young woman to be my wife. It was like he was saying, hey, uh, uh, no hard feelings, let's have a wedding now. I've got gifts and stuff that I'll give you. I mean, we, we good? We good, bro? I mean, he promised riches and Canaan and the promised land, a, a place to live and a, a freedom to travel. But God had already promised them that. God had already said, I'm going to give you this. He didn't need them to tell him that. God had already said, I'm giving this to you. But these, uh, these guys are going, no, 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 let me, let me make peace with you now. I will, this, we'll make this easy for you. Shechem says, hey, uh, hey! by the way, uh, I'll give you anything for your daughter. I'll do anything uh, for her. And, and so typically, uh, back, back during that day, uh, a price for a bride was fixed. It was something that they already knew ahead of time. It was like, hey, you know, when, if I'm going to ask you for your daughter's hand, then, then I'm going to give you so much money. And there was already, or whatever the, the, the price was, it was already fixed. But the text tells us that Shechem was, went further and said, I'll give you whatever you ask. Just let her be my wife crazy situation, right? Crazy situation. Well, then the brothers respond, and this is what they said in verse 13. The sons of Jacob answered Shechem, his father Hamor, deceitfully because he had defiled their sister Dinah. And so they're like, you know what? We're going to play along in your game. We'll play along with what you're you're trying to talk about. And this is what they said. They said to them, we cannot do this thing. Give to our sister, uh, give to Uh, excuse me, we cannot do this, excuse me, this thing, to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. uh, Only on this condition will we agree with you that you will become as we are by every male among you being circumcised. Then we'll give our daughters to you and we'll take your daughters to ourselves and we'll dwell with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us and be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and we will be gone." Their words pleased Hamor and Hamor's son Shechem. And the young men did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. Now he was the most honored of all his father's house. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of the city and spoke to the men of their city saying, these men are at peace with us. Let them dwell in the land and trade in there for behold, the land is large enough for them. Let us take their daughters as wives. Let us give them our daughters. Only on this condition will the men uh, agree to dwell with us because and become one people when every male among us is circumcised uh, and as they are circumcised. I'm sure the dudes are like going, all right, whatever. Uh, Will not their livestock, their property and all of the beasts, be ours. Only let us agree with them, and they will dwell with us. And all who went out of the gate of this city listened to Hamor and his son Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. And so the request during that time really wasn't out of order uh, for the men of that day. They Uh, I mean, they had encountered some different tribes along the way, and and they were circumcised as kind of a a rite of admittance into Israel to kind of deal with Israel. This wasn't wasn't necessarily a a weird or odd request that they would do, uh, uh, that they would have made at the time. And so Shechem wanted to agree uh, so he could marry Dinah. Man, did you have to jump through hoops to marry your wife? Did you have to go to this extreme to marry your wife? I mean, you have the trump card of going, hey, I had, I, had to, I had to go. My whole family had to be circumcised so I could marry my wife. No, probably didn't have to do that, right? But I just had to go meet the dad. <laughs> that's about as far as you had to go. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Benjamin. Yeah, that's about as far as it probably went, right? So it wasn't quite as bad as having to do this. But, but, but here's the deal. Jacob's sons had no intention of extending their religious influence to them. This was not about, hey, you become like us, you become Jewish like us, you become part of our religion. That had nothing to do with this, okay? They had no intention of Shechem and his people knowing their God. That was not in their mind. This was not, hey, we want them to become our people and, their, and our God to become their, this was not what was going on. Genocide. Not evangelism was what was on their mind. We're gonna find a way that we're gonna exact some revenge on these people and we'll use it. I'll use the ruse of evangelism, the ruse of becoming like us to get accomplished what it is that I wanted to do. One commentator pointed out that it was Shechem's genitals that he used to perpetrate the crime and it will be his genitals that in effect serve up his death. I'll talk about that over lunch. But the biggest, honestly, I think the biggest misfortune here uh, is that Israel's most cherished symbol of their faith, which is circumcision, which was instituted by God to say, hey, uh, uh, you're gonna be my people and this is going to be the sign of of our agreement that we have. It's gonna be the sign of the covenant that we have together. Now it's gonna become this tool of, inhumanity. The sign of the covenant was used to to, to, uh, uh, gain revenge and murder and pillage a city. Jacob's sons were only thinking about revenge and certainly not about God. How many times do you forget God? How many times in the middle of Whatever happens to be going on in your life, as difficult as it may be, as, as, as hard as the situation may be, how many times do you forget about God? How many times is it just revenge on our minds? How often do we forget the mercy that has been extended to us in the middle of a difficult situation and instead exact revenge and punishment on someone else? Those kinds of actions are in line with what Jacob's sons were about to do. Rather than exacting your own vengeance, sure, address the situation, but we have to move forward with that. Scripture says that uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to you or to me. Then it happens. Verse 25, on the third day when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and came against the city while it felt secure and killed all the males. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem with the sword and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and plundered the city because they had defiled their sister. They took the flocks and their herds and their donkeys and whatever was in the city and in the field. All their wealth, all their little ones, their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites and the Perizzites. My numbers are few, and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed, both I and my household. But they said, should they treat our sister like a prostitute? I said this before and... and uh, I'll keep keep saying, I I just don't remember stories like this from the Bible when I was growing up. I don't think I ever heard this priest. I don't think I ever heard anybody talk about this particular story. See, the Bible is raw uh, many times. It doesn't spare us, you and me, uh, when we read it about the awful truths that happen, about the real historical events that actually happen to people. These two brothers, Simeon and Levi, were cold and calculating about what it was that they were going to do. And it says on the third day following this crude circumcision that they had done uh, of all the adult men, it would be the most painful and it would be the most uh, incapacitating time uh, for them at the time. And so Simeon and Levi waited and waited for just the right time. And, And this is the way I've got it pictured. waiting Day 1 Yep Mhm I got time Day 1 too soon Day 2 Nope not yet We're not ready yet Mhm all it's building all right here building building Yeah uh, You know building building and while it's building, while they're over there just getting more sore, and we get to day three, and how bad it is on day three, here's what they do. They're like, I think these are ready, and I think I'm ready, and my mind's ready, and now it's time. Now it's time. The third day after that, the third day, they sharpen their swords. They swung their swords, they severed heads, they severed body parts, I'm sure, in their anger. They stabbed people, they slayed people. I mean, it's like 300, right? You remember, you've seen 300? I can imagine, it was like scenes like that, that they took their swords, and the scripture says, killed every one of them. Killed all the men because of what they had done. Scripture says in verse 25, on the third day when they were sore, two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers took their swords and came against the city. While it felt secure and killed all the males, they killed Hamor and his son Shechem with their swords and took Dinah out of Shechem's house and went away. And so the brothers engaged in their own kind of personal genocidal vendetta They're like, we're gonna get back and we're gonna do this thing on our own and we're gonna make it happen. And they went from house to house, helpless victims that couldn't get up, couldn't fight, couldn't even stand up and killed them all while they were in their most vulnerable positions. And and the the scripture says, lastly, they killed Hamor Hamor and the the groom-to-be, Shechem. Grabbed their sister and out they went. Again, as you read this, you go, "This in my Bible. This this is a little bit shocking." There was no eye for an eye. See, see, they operated during this time, kind of an eye for an eye. Okay, you've done this thing to me, and so an eye for an eye means I'm going to do this thing to you. And during that day, they would think, oh, "Okay, that makes sense," you know. I mean, this is what happened over here, and and so this makes sense on this side. If you do this, and then in retribution, the other is just okay to happen because this is an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. They kind of lived in that. That's not what they did. This was not an eye for an eye. This was exponential revenge. This was over-the-top revenge. This was way over-the-top revenge. And the carnage of bodies, the remaining, they just swooped in through all the dead bodies and plundered the city. They took everything they had because they had defiled their sister. They left nothing. This is what it says. Verse 28 says, they took their flocks and their herds, their donkeys and whatever was in the city, in their fields, all the wealth, all the little ones, all their wives, all that was in the houses, they captured and plundered. What a sad story. Would you agree? It's a sad story. There's nobody that looks good in this story. Would you agree? Nobody looks good. It reminds me of this verse. Romans chapter three, verse 10 says, none is righteous, no, not one. And then we get back to Jacob after the end of all the pillaging and, and how should a dad respond to just all this pillaging? Here's what he said, verse 30. Uh, and then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land, Canaanites, the Perizzites. My numbers are few and if they gather themselves against me and attack me, I shall be destroyed in my household. And Jacob was just still pathetic to me in this thing. He, he didn't condemn the massacre. He was like, like what are you dudes doing? Well, have you lost your mind? None of that. He, he didn't condemn the, the law of an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. He didn't go, look, you, you guys have gone way over the top in this. He, he didn't condemn them for desecrating Israel's most sacred symbol of circumcision. He was, he's like, you used the most sacred thing? No, he, he didn't do any of that. He didn't even mention Dinah, his daughter. He, had, he, he, didn't, he wasn't even thinking about her at the time. Jacob was just kind of concerned about saving his own skin. <laughs> and and the and then his son, and it's interesting that the chapter ends with this verse and it says, and, and the sons were like, should we should we let him treat our sister like a prostitute? That is, have you forgot about her? And all this played out this way because of Jacob's almost obedience. See, God called Jacob to go back to Bethel, okay? That's what he told him to do. A few chapters back, whatever order we preach it in, uh, he he called him to go back to Bethel. He's like, I'm gonna call you out of this and I want you to go all the way back to Bethel. But first, Jacob decided to stop off. The scripture says he stopped off in a place called Succoth and and, and he kind of dwelled there for a little while. And and then the scripture says he dwelled near the land. He, He got near where he was going to Bethel but not all the way. He ended up 20 miles away. And he was almost obedient. What is almost obedience? Yeah, almost obedience is disobedience. See, if, think about this. I, I want you to think about this. If Jacob had gone all the way to Bethel and been obedient to God, none of this would have happened. The rape, Uh, The desecration, the genocide, the disgrace, all of this ended up being as a result of Jacob's disobedience, of almost being obedient. But even as we look at the text, even his son's deceiving the Shechemites was just the kids doing what they saw their dad doing his entire life they They knew the story about him deceiving Esau. It's just what Dad did. Were they wrong to make a commitment and then back out of it? That's what their dad did. See the truth in that is that it's always wrong to just almost be obedient. The truth is that there are always consequences. For our sins. And the truth is, if you're someone who gives almost obedience or almost the truth or almost getting there, then you'll continue in the same pattern that you're in right now unless you choose to do something different. And so I tried to find some good news in this text. And the truth is, in the text, there's no good news but we have good news. The good news is that there's hope today. There's good news is that there is hope today. And if, you're, if you find yourself and you identify yourself in this story, like I'm almost truthful and I almost tell the truth and I almost go all the way and I almost get there, but I just never do, then there is hope for you today. And it starts with repentance It starts with repentance of going, I need to repent maybe for the lies that I've told. I need to repent for the place that I haven't done all the way. I need to repent for the places that I haven't been obedient to the Lord. I I need to repent for the things that I'm almost doing that I'm not doing. Sorrow over your sin against maybe others and against God. Confession of that sin. Listen, the Bible tells you you don't have to wallow in your sin. The Bible tells us that if we, are, we, if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just. So he is faithful, he will do it every time. He is just, which means he is right. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That there's hope no matter what your past has been. There's hope no matter whatever pathway that you have been on. There's hope for you no matter what, you, what circumstance you might have found yourself in to believe the gospel. Your hope is not in always getting it right. And all of us said, amen, because we don't get it right. We don't get it right. Your hope is not in holding your cool. Your hope is not in how good you treat people, but your hope is found in the righteousness that is given to you, a righteousness that is foreign to you and me a righteousness that is given to us freely by grace. The scripture says that by grace you are saved through faith and it is not your own doing. This is not about doing it yourself. This is about receiving the grace and the goodness and the salvation and the forgiveness that comes from Jesus alone. See, how absurd had Jacob been in his life? He messed it up a lot. How absurd are we when we resist the Lord's will? When we just almost get there. How tragic it was for Jacob in this story and how much more tragic it is for us today when we resist the will of the Lord. See, it's my encouragement to you, church, who are here today, if you're watching online, you're watching it later at some point, my encouragement to you today is to repent of your disbelief. Repent of your disbelief today. Turn to Jesus. He is our hope. Not in our own doing, not in our exacting our own revenge, not in getting our own way. Our hope is found in the one who gave himself for us. In 1740, John Wesley wrote this And it's still for us, wrestling with disobedience today, and with this, we'll close. Wesley wrote this. Now incline me to repent. Let me now my sins lament. Now my foul revolt deplore. Weep. Believe. And sin no more. That's beautiful. Are foul, revolt, deplore. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Repent. Believe. Sin no matter. No, no more. No matter how deep your sins are, God's grace is still deeper. Weep. Believe. Repent, sin no more. Let me pray for her.